Was Moses really adopted by Pharaoh's daughter? And did Moses later actually lead the Israelites out of Egypt? There's compelling evidence that shows how the story of Moses in the Bible actually matches up with Egyptian history. And that's what we're going to be talking about today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking. Your hosts for this podcast are Robbie Lashua and Tyler Hurley. Robbie is pastor of apologetics at Desert Springs Community Church, as well as professor of apologetics, worldview, and ethics at Mission Bible Institute. He is a graduate of Phoenix Seminary, as well as a graduate of the Master's in Christian Apologetics program at Biola University. Tyler is currently earning his undergraduate degree in theology at Grand Canyon University and currently serves as an apologetics intern at Desert Springs Community Church. Hello, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Uh, I'm your host, Robbie Lashua, here with my amazing co-host, Tyler Hurley. Yep, we're back at it again. We are back at it again. We're in the midst of our archaeology series for the month of January, and um, we've got some pretty exciting stuff to talk about today. I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, yeah. This this story and this evidence is just really, um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of fun hearing about different archaeological things, uh, topics that we've been going over, but this one's especially cool. I uh, just the history of the Exodus just fascinates me. It's super it cool to study and uh, to correlate uh, the biblical timeline with the archaeological evidence we have in Egyptian history. Um, it, it's just really fascinating. It so. really is, man. So I'm excited to get in today. But before we do that, we always want to give our coffee tips, right? Now today, yes. Uh, we kind of are going a little different direction with this. Um, we've been handing out, uh, handing out. We've been giving out uh, coffee mugs with our logo on them for the past few months. If you uh, send us a coffee tip, but actually last week uh, we had an accident with one of our coffee cups. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I was opening my door. I got home from recording with Tyler, and I opened my door up, and uh, my coffee mug, my beautiful Christ Culture <laughs> coffee coffee mug, fell out of my car and shattered <laughs> on the concrete of my driveway. It was sad, man. It broke my heart a little. Um, But uh, so anyways, I took a picture of it and we put it up on the uh, Instagram and Tyler came up with a great caption. He said, Christ culture catastrophe. And uh, (laughs) uh, we talked about how, you know, it'd been dropped and stuff. And then uh, Tyler actually asked if people would tell us stories about uh, uh, coffee mishaps that they've had, other coffee catastrophes. And we got some people that responded and shared some funny stories with us on our Instagram. And uh, we wanted to actually reward somebody who shared on there for giving us a, a, an interesting story with a coffee mug. So instead of giving <clears throat> you a coffee tip today, we want to share with you uh, their story from, from the Instagram post. And so yes. Tyler, you've, you've got that. Yeah, so this this c- coffee catastrophe story that we had shared, there, there were quite a few good ones. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go ahead and read more, go ahead and follow our Instagram page and you can see the, the post with the broken coffee mug. Just go ahead and look down and you'll see the comments below of the stories that have been shared because there, there were some really funny ones. But after looking them over, we had decided that the winner for this contest here this uh, was definitely going to go to Paul. Yeah, Paul, Paul is the winner of this. You have won a Christ Culture and Coffee mug. Yes, yeah, so we're, uh, we're going to go ahead and um, send that to you. If you want to just uh, message us, we'll message you directly. But th- here is Paul's comment about his coffee catastrophe, and it's really funny. He sa- Paul says, I- one morning I was so tired that I put the Keurig cup 
where the mug goes, and I tried to put my mug where the Keurig cup goes. <laughs> so he, like, he, he mixed it up. So I'm, I'm wondering if he, like, opened up – because you know how Keurigs, they have, like, that uh, compartment at the top that you yeah. have to pull open, and then you have to kind of jam the K-cup into that hole. I, I wonder at what point he realized, like – Wait a second. My mug this, won't go in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like how how he tried and must have struggled for a minute to try to yep. shove the mug in there, or if he realized it and was like, "Wait a second," and then fixed it immediately. But either Who way, that's funny. It was hilarious. Yes, yeah, so dude, we've all when we're tired, man. Have you you've done stuff like that before, right? Oh like, yeah, I, I can remember like looking for my keys and then remembering that I was hungry early in the morning and I put my keys in the refrigerator, uh, <laughs> things like that. I just well, I, like, what are you thinking? Well, you yeah, know? yeah. Uh, like when I was when I was a kid, I remember I I once uh, accidentally put away. Um, after I finished eating a bowl of cereal, like I washed out my bowl, cleaned it out and everything. Uh, and then I ended up, um, putting the milk away mm-hmm. in the pantry. <laughs> nice. And then I put the, 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 like the box of cereal back away in the fridge. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, so it yeah. was like <laughs> just a little mix up. We've all done it, Paul. We're sorry that it happened to you, but hopefully that morning you got some coffee because it really sounded like you needed it. Right. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you, if you do want to read the rest of these stories, there were some other funny ones on there. Um, and there and there was actually a couple from past winners of coffee uh, yeah, coffee mugs. Yeah, right. So uh, you should go check out our Instagram. You can just look up uh, Christ Culture Coffee one word on Instagram, and that's uh, that's uh, where where we're at. So we'd love for you to do that. Interact with us on there. We're gonna put up some promotions and uh, just ask questions. There's a lot of stuff going on on there uh, for you who who like the like the broadcast here. So Tyler. Hmm. Thanks for thanks for doing that. Thanks for putting yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, no, that Paul, was great. Thank it's... you for giving us that uh, funny story, man. You finally won a mug. He's actually one of the guys who's been asking me for a mug, and uh, right now yeah. he's won one. So it's now nice. he's got it. So yep. and then uh, like we said, just go ahead and follow our Instagram page, uh, Christ Culture and Coffee on Instagram. You can go ahead and uh, follow us and stay up to date with posts. We're going to be uh, um, posting stuff on there every week, uh, just related to the podcast. Um, and we're going to occasionally just start to be more active with it, uh, sharing tips about coffee and, uh, we're going to start getting into theological posts as well at some mm-hmm. point and then, uh, start getting more in depth with that. So, uh, go ahead and follow us if you want to stay up to date on how we're doing with the podcast and, uh, just follow along with what we're doing here at Christ Culture Coffee. Yep. All right. Well, let's get into the topic of the day. Does yes. the Bible, right? Does archaeology confirm the Exodus? Does it show that the Exodus of Moses happened, that Moses was a real historical figure? And how does that all work with Egyptian archaeology? Because we have tons and tons of Egyptian archaeology, right? Right. Uh, the yeah. Egyptian dynasties, um, the Egyptian history, is it's kind of the baseline for all ancient history, actually, because we have so much of their stuff. We fit other stuff around what we know about Egypt, which is really interesting. But <laughs> yeah, it's because I mean, they left so much stuff. Well, not only did they leave so much, I mean, they preserved it, like, really well. Yep. I mean, part of that heck, has to do with the climate they were in, right? Yeah. Pretty dry and dusty. Right, right. Yeah. But they also, I mean, heck, they even preserved their their own bodies, like the, yep. the mummified bodies. Yeah, that we it's crazy to think. Some, there, some yeah. of the people we're talking about in today's in today's podcast that lived like 3,500 years ago to 4,000 years ago, we have their bodies today because <laughs> yeah. they were mummified, and you can go you can go check them out. It's crazy to think. 
Yeah, that's just that's nuts. That's, it is. That's crazy. Well, so so as we start talking about Moses and Pharaoh's daughter and all of that, um, in order to to establish, is Moses uh, was he really adopted by Pharaoh's daughter? Who was this Pharaoh's daughter? Right? Do we have any information about her in history? Um, the first thing that we we want to do is say, okay, well, what time period are we looking at? Right. That's that, yeah. that would help us out a lot, because if we knew the dates of Moses, then we could look at the dates of Egyptian history and see if they fit together, see if it gives us a picture of what was going on. And so how do we date Moses life? Well, there's actually a, a, a way to do this with the Bible. The Bible gives us a lot of different dates um, and through the dates from Scripture and through some archaeological finds, we, we have this anchor date of of when the divided kingdom of Israel happened. You remember the story, right? The, the, the Israelites come out, or come out of Egypt, uh, 40 years wandering, Joshua conquers the land, you got 300 years of the judges, and then they start to get a king, right? They get mm-hmm. King Saul, King David, King Solomon. So um, we have a really hard date of 931 to 930 B.C., of when uh, King Solomon died and then the kingdom was split. You remember the ten tribes became the northern kingdom of Israel. Yeah, and right. Yeah, and then um, the southern tribes, which were Judah and Benjamin, just were called Judah, right? And uh, that that happened. Uh, most everyone agrees because of archaeology, because of stuff we find with with the Assyrians and, and all of this. That that happened around nine thirty one to nine thirty B C. So that's kind of like our anchor date of history. All right. So now. Yeah. When you turn to this passage in 1 Kings 6.1, it gives us really interesting details about the Exodus and how we can start to figure out the dating of it. So you have that scripture, right, Tyler? Yeah. 1 Kings yeah. 6.1? Sure, yeah. So it says, Now it came about in the 480th year after the sons of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the Mount of Ziv, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. Okay, so now this is real specific. What did it tell us? It said 480 years mm-hmm. after the Exodus, right? Which is also the fourth year of, of Solomon's, Solomon's reign. reign in the second month of that reign, right? Mm-hmm. In the second month of, of the year, okay? So we've got a real specific date here. It was 480 years at the same time, it's 480 years since the Exodus, at the same time as Solomon's fourth year of his, of his reign. Okay, so how can we figure out the timing of the Exodus? Well, if we knew when Solomon's fourth year was, we could just add 480 years to it, and we'd know when the Exodus is. Right, Does yeah. that make sense? Okay, so can we figure out when Solomon's fourth reign is? We can. And because we know that the kingdom was divided in 931 or 930 B.C., um, we can figure out when Solomon's fourth reign was. And we have to look at another passage in Scripture, which is 1 Kings 11, 42 through 43. So can you read that for us, Tyler? 1 Kings 11, 42 through 43? Yeah, sure. So it says, In the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was 40 years, and Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father and Rehoboam his son reigned in his place. Okay, so Solomon, this is talking about when he dies, right? To sleep with your mm-hmm. fathers means you you died. You're they're yeah, putting you right. in your family tomb. So, the Solomon reigned in Jerusalem for 40 years and then he died. 
okay? So we know after his death is when the kingdom splits. It's, it's right, it's pretty close after his death. Rehoboam starts, and then there's, there's turmoil, and the, the kingdom splits into northern Israel and then Judah. So if Solomon died about 931, 930, when the kingdom split, right? Mm-hmm. But he reigned for 40 years. What we can do is take 931 and 930 and add 40 years to it to get the first year of Solomon's reign. So if we're yeah. at 931 or 930 BC and we add 40 to it, that gives us 971, 970 BC was when um, Solomon began to reign in Israel. Does that make sense how that works? Yeah, yeah, that all fits okay. together. So it makes sense. So now going back to that First Kings 6 uh, passage, it says that it was 480 years since the Exodus in Solomon's fourth year of reigning, right? Mm-hmm. So what we have to do is take 971, 970 and subtract four from it to get the date of when Solomon's fourth year of his reign was. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure. It's it's a little complex. Yeah, there's a lot of dating here, but but but, but, if, but if we take those four years away, it gives us a date of 967 to 966, and that's what we can add 480 years to to figure out the date of the Exodus. Mm. So when we do that, we come to a date of 1447 or 1446. Do you see how that works? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's cool. So if if we take the Bible literally, that it's explaining these years precisely, that's the date we come to. And and that's actually, that's how I read it. I think the Bible tells us these numbers for a specific reason, that they're not just approximations, but they mean what they mean. So most scholars agree, most, most scholars who are on uh, our side of the, the fence with the biblical being authoritative, we, we look at this and say, okay, 1446 has got to be the year of the Exodus. Yeah, right. So now, what, what's going on in Egypt in 1446, right? Uh, how can we know when Moses was born according to this? How can we know who Pharaoh's daughter might be and all that stuff? Well, um, now let's move into talking about Egyptian history. Since we got the date of the Exodus, we can now start to see if Moses' life coincides with what was happening in e- Egyptian history. Um, for, for a while... Um, there was this group of people who ruled the who ruled Egypt called the Hyksos. All right, <laughs> I know it sounds like such a funny name. It's called H Y K S O S, Hyksos, and they weren't like regular Egyptian people. They were actually a Semitic group who kind of came in and they believed that they moved in and intermarried a little bit, and then there was like a a, a political overthrow, and these Hyksos began to have dynasties in Egypt. Well, what happened was the the Egyptians uh, overthrew the Hyksos and actually run, ran them out of the country, and this is what started what's called the 18th Dynasty of Egypt. All right, the 18th Dynasty of Egypt. <clears throat> the 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 pharaoh who came in and overthrew the Hyksos, his name was Amos the first. All right, Amos the first, and he's the first pharaoh of the 18th Dynasty. And this is the time period that the Exodus, that the slavery of the Israelites, all of that was occurring in. If our date of 1446 is correct, all right? Yeah, that makes sense. It lines up. So yeah, so let's let's talk about this a little. So you have Amos the first who who overthrows the Hyksos and sets himself up. Then you have his son Am- Amenhotep the first, who's the king, and then the next king we get is Thutmose the first. 
also, um, he's, he's, he's called Thutmose or Thutmosis, which is interesting, right? Thutmosis. Um, so who is, who's yeah. Thutmosis the first? Well, he was a really great military king. Um, he conquered a lot. He was strong. Um, he reigned for, for a, a while. I th- let me look at the dates here. He reigned from 1530 to 1517. All right, 1530 to 1517. Mm. Um, but there's an interesting issue with Thutmosis the um, first, with his legal wife, with his with his not legal wife, with with the queen, with the royal wife. He didn't have any male heirs. All right, so you need an heir to the throne to become pharaoh, and he didn't have one with his queen. Um, he actually had four children born through the queen. Three of them died in infancy, and only one of them um, survived. Mm. And this was a female. This was a, a daughter. This was a girl. Uh, and her name is Hatshepsut. Hatshepsut. Sorry. Hatshepsut. Yeah, this is going to be really fun to say this it's 100 okay. times. <laughs> Hatshepsut. And she's the only child of, of Thutmosis I and his queen. Okay. So what happens is Thutmosis I dies, and now who's going to take over the throne, right? Mm. Well, uh, it, it can't be any son from, from the queen because there isn't one. So Thutmosis I's son from a secondary wife takes over, and his name is Junior, right? Thutmosis II. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes over, and what happens is um, Hatshepsut, who's the pharaoh's you know legitimate royal daughter— she marries what would be her half-brother, Thutmosis II. And Thutmosis II becomes king, and he reigns for, I think, about 13 years uh, over this dynasty in Egypt. Yep, 13 years, from 1517 to 1504 B.C. Mm. But um, what we know about him from from Egyptian history is that he was kind of sickly and frail, and so he dies. He gets sick and, and he dies. At this point, who should become the next king? Well, you would say, well, whoever his son is through his queen wife, who at that point was Hapshetsut, right? Yeah. But guess what? They didn't have any sons either. They only had one daughter. So there's, once again, no legitimate legal heir to the throne of Pharaoh. Yeah, right. So, uh, uh, Thutmosis II's son from a secondary wife is next in line. So it's kind of the same story that happened before. Yeah, Had right. not, So Thutmosis' son from a secondary wife is Thutmosis III, all right? Thutmosis III. And um, he's a kid when all this happens. He's young, so he can't really reign. So what happens is Hatshepsut, sees herself kind of as like the legitimate, legitimate heir because she's the only one who came from the actual queen and pharaoh. And now you've got a stepson who has another stepson who's supposed to become king. So her and Thutmose III, who are a kid, have like what's called a co-regency, right? They co-reign together. (laughs) But she's really in charge. I mean, she's the adult here. She actually sends Thutmose III the third, who's her stepson, she sends him off to military school. She gets him out of town. Mm. And she starts to rule in um, 1504. 1504. And um, 
if you want to study somebody interesting, you need to go study Hatshepsut. She yeah, this was, was crazy hearing about she this. She was, man. She, so basically, she sets herself up as Pharaoh. Mm. She starts telling everybody, you know, that she's the legitimate heir. She actually starts dressing as the pharaoh with the royal robe, with the royal beard strapped onto her chin, everything. She's got statues carved of herself with the beard on, um, and she she takes over. She was a powerful, powerful woman in Egypt, and she sets herself up as pharaoh. Yeah, seems like she just had this whole idea like, hey, no one else is in line, so yep. I'm just I can step in and take it over. Yep. So that's, yeah, and, and and so this is where it gets interesting. If the dates of 1446 are correct for the Exodus, um, we we need to ask, okay, well, when when was Moses born? Okay, D- do we know when Moses was born? If 1446 is the date of the Exodus, mm-hmm. and actually. We do, right? Um, the The Bible tells us that Moses was 80 years old, right? Yeah. When he right. went to, to ask Pharaoh to let his people go. <clears throat> so if he's 80 years old around 1446, that gives us a birth date for Moses of 1526. Does that make sense? Yeah, right. 1526. Well, how does that match up with Egyptian history? Well, in 1526, Hathpet would be around... Six or seven years old would be the only. Now, this is where it gets interesting. She's the only person alive at that time who had the title daughter of Pharaoh, right? Because all those other kids died. All those other legitimate heirs, yeah, they, they died in infancy. Yeah, that makes She's sense. the only one alive who could be called the daughter of Pharaoh, and that's what the Bible calls her, right? So you know the story of Moses. He's born. There's a decree of what. Let's kill all Hebrew males mm-hmm. born. Why? Well, because they they could take us over. They're multiplying greatly. But also, if you if you look at the history that's going on here, remember the Hyksos? They were a Semitic group. And now comes in the Egyptian dynasty, overthrows them, and you've got uh, Thutmosis I saying, listen, we can't let these people rise up because they're Semitic too. What if what if the Hyksos come back? And they joined forces with the Hebrews, <laughs> and they wanted to take us over again, right? There's some military strategy going on here, so, yeah. So that kind of makes sense of the uh, of the of the history and and of what Scripture says, right? You even remember in Exodus chapter one, it, it says that um, that a Pharaoh arose in Egypt who did not know Joseph, right, and enslaves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is that Ahmos, right, who took over from the Hyksos? Is that this 18th dynasty who threw out the Hyksos? I I think it is. It makes sense that they would come in and say, listen, we don't know what you did. We don't care who Joseph was because we overthrew that last dynasty and we're establishing our own thing here. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So. Yeah, so Moses, what you know, what happens to Moses? He gets put in the basket by his mom because she doesn't want him to die, gets thrown down the river, right? He floats down the Nile to where? to where Pharaoh's daughter is hanging out, right? Maybe she's bathing, maybe she's swimming, and she sees this little baby in a basket in the reeds of the Nile River, and she pulls him out, right? So this matches up with history because Hatshepsut would be about six or seven years old when this occurred. She's the only person alive who could be called the daughter of Pharaoh. Yeah. All right? No, that's that lines up, Yeah. Yeah, it, it lines up. So, okay. So, again, what happens in the story, right? Yeah, well, well, she takes him in. 
Yeah. Right. And then and then she she, she actually lets him go home. Right. Well, yeah. Remember that's right. We, I forgot about that. Yeah. We talked about that right before this. His yeah. sister comes over. Says, Miriam I know someone says, who can nurse him. Yeah. So she takes him back to his own mom and has her him nurse him. Um, probably. He probably lived with his parents maybe three or four years. There's some studies done on how long um, male children were expected to wean off of their moms. And it was like probably around three or four years that um, that, that would occur, right? Yeah. So, so this is where it gets interesting because uh, in Exodus 2.10, it tells us when the child grew older, referring to Moses, um, she brought him, his sister brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Mm. Okay, so at this point, um, Hatshepsut would be around 11 or 12 years old. Okay? Yeah. And, and she has this, this Hebrew boy who's, who's in the new toy, right? She's new. She wants him to be her son. And then uh, in Exodus 2.10, do you want to read the next part of that? It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. In Exodus 2.10, it says, When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. So Pharaoh's daughter names Moses Moses. You see that? Mm, Yeah. Okay, now this is really where it gets interesting and where I think it ties in. Remember who her, her dad's name is what? Yeah, thought Moses. Thought Moses, right? Right. Her 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 uh, great grandpa's name is Amos, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this family, this Moses name. Moses is, is a yes. Okay, so I think that ties in here with, of course, she if he's her daughter, he's her adopted daughter. She'd name him in that same kind of a name. Now, what's really cool about it is she says, I named him Moses because I drew him out of the water. Uh, the Hebrew word Moses, Mosh, it sounds like the word for draw out. So mm. there's like a little play on words here. So she's saying, I drew him out, which is why I'm naming him this for the Hebrew sound. But there's the other side of it for the Egyptian Moses, which it has this idea of being born of. So Thut Moses is born of the god Thut, right? That's, that's the idea. It comes from that lineage. Is, there's power behind it. So mm. she names him this name that's, that's very similar sounding to an Egyptian family name of hers, all right? At this point, what would happen? You know, Moses is, gets taken in. He gets he he's raised with all the other royal kids, right, from the secondary wives and everything. And he's given education. And we're actually told that that's what occurred in Acts seven twenty two. Do you want to read that? Yeah, sure. And so Acts seven twenty two it says, and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. All right. So Moses is adopted. And then mm-hmm. he gets this stellar education, right, from the yeah. Egyptians. I mean, it's probably the best in the world at this time. Uh, I did a little research on it, and um, they, they were talking about what would this education entail in Egypt. Um, and, yeah. and through studying and, and understanding Egyptian history, they talked about how, how these kids would have been taught foreign languages of the world. Mm-hmm. They would have taught how to do public speaking, uh, which was considered really, really important uh, during that time period. It, they would have learned how to write, right? which was also highly, highly valued. Um, These are the types of things Moses would have been educated in. Languages, speaking skills, and writing. Yeah, and that makes sense, too, because he wrote the Pentateuch. So it's like he had to be educated. He had to know what he was talking about. And the the way that he led the Israelites and that they, like, 
through that. And like he obviously was a well enough speaker to convince them to follow yep. him, right? Well, and it's funny because remember he says, I'm not that great of a speaker. That's Yeah, and that's go, the crazy mm, thing. So he had not. some stage. Maybe you were pretty good. <laughs> he had some stage fright a little bit, it seems. But yeah. I mean, like clearly, clearly. He was uh, trained in it. Yeah, he was. He was. He was well-educated. And that makes sense because if he's getting, uh, if he's living among Pharaoh, then yeah. he's getting the royal treatment. He's getting the best that Egypt has to offer in yep. education. So yep. that's. It makes a lot of sense. And that, yeah. that's, it's, so it's crazy. So if this is how the, the time he, li- he lived in, and this is the dynasty that he entered in, you know, he's getting this education and God, even in that, is preparing this little boy, this four-year-old boy, right? Mm-hmm. To write the first five books of scripture. Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing. Moses would have been a guy qualified to do that. Um, and that's what we see. So he he is adopted by Hatshepsut. He is called her daughter. She names him a family type name, right? He's educated. The other thing, Tyler, is that if he was put into this education system, guess who else is there? The other kids that come from Pharaoh, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's which, right. Which so it would be Thutmosis the third would have been in there. Yeah, the one he would who have known he had him to, for sure. The one who he went back to later. Yep. And had to free the, the Israelites. Yep. So so if Hatshepsut um, adopts him around when she's like eleven or twelve years old, mm-hmm. I was reading that she probably, most probably was married to her half brother, Thutmosis the second, when she was around fifteen, right? Mm. So he reigns for thirteen years. Moses is there, you know, for a couple years before she's married, and then for the thirteen years where she's the queen. Um, and then he's even there after her and his you know, it'd be Moses' half-brother too, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of half, not even half, not not legitimate half-brother because he's not from their lineage at all. He's just adopted. But um, but when Thutmosis Third um, becomes, you know, co-ruler with, with Moses' mom, but she sends him off to military school. So Moses is there uh, this entire time. But when does he take off, right? Because you know the story. He kills an Egyptian, right? And then he leaves. Do we know when that occurred? Yes, we do. <laughs> right? <laughs> Acts 23, Acts, sorry, Acts 7.23 tells us that Moses was 40 years old when he killed the Egyptian and then he fled to Midian. Mm, yeah. So that gives us a hard date. Uh, so if he's born in 1526, he'd be 40 when? 1486, yeah, right? Yeah, that, no, that makes sense. That, that, that lines up. Yeah. So. so 1486, if we look at when his mom was ruling, this is three years before um, Hatshepsut dies and Thutmosis III takes over. So Moses was there for most of the time when his mom was ruling, most of the time when she, you know, she assumes the, the royal robe, she assumes the royal beard. He's around for all of that stuff. But nearing the end of that, when Thutmosis III's getting to be a grown-up and wants to assert his rulership, things might have been getting a little dicey, right? Things might have getting there might have been a little pressure on. And some people mm. hypothesize, did Hapsetshut was she preparing Moses to be the Pharaoh, not her stepson? And that's that's interesting to think about. That mm-hmm. that, that is. That that also makes you wonder. Uh, just what type of tension was happening if if this was the case and yep and uh, and I think that also lines up with the timeline of when Moses left yeah you know? I think it does well because if you think about it so Hapset she doesn't have mm-hmm. she only has one daughter she has no legal heir to the throne right 
Yeah. So her stepson, who isn't blood-related to her at all, is going to become the new pharaoh. But she's the line, the pure line, from her father Thutmosis I, right? Yeah. So, again, this is pure speculation. But it's not hard to think that this lady sees a gift being given to her from the gods through the Nile River. This baby boy is given to her, right? Mm -hmm. Who she adopts to become her own. And then later on in life, she doesn't have any male children. You could see her saying, he's going to be the guy. He was given to me. The gods foresaw that I wasn't going to yeah. be able to have children. And, and then not only that, children. too. Not only that, you got to think this also fits with the Egyptian narrative that they followed with their mythology. Like, think about think about the the legend that that would have held if like Moses had had sure. been Pharaoh. Yeah. Like, because think about it. Like the people, <clears throat> you got to put yourself in their perspective and think, wow, like this Pharaoh was given to us by the gods from the Nile, by the river. Yeah. Yeah, sure. by the river. Like, like he is powerful. Like, basically. That's just something to think about. Well, yeah, and you also have to think about, man, Thutmosis III would not be a fan of Moses. Yeah, yeah, it He'd makes sense. He'd see him as a threat, right, if, if this is what's occurring. Mm -hmm. So Moses kills an Egyptian, which would give Thutmosis the, the go-ahead to, this guy is not for us. He knows he's a Hebrew. He's backing up the Hebrews. This is the very thing that my grandpa didn't want to happen, right? <laughs> you can see, you can see how this would. Okay, yeah. Well, and I mean, you got to think too. That's also the whole point of why they were killing the, killing them, killing the because, babies at first. Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. why they were doing it's it. It's because they did, they wanted them to be. They didn't want them there. So now you got so, this one baby you didn't kill, who and now legitimately can become the yeah. pharaoh, and he can overtake our dynasty. You can see why. I mean, this this could be what's going on. Yeah. So Moses, knowing this, knowing and right, it talks mm -hmm. about they were going to kill him. He gets out of town. He leaves and he flees to Midian, um, and he doesn't want to go back. And he's in the wilderness out there in Midian. He marries right. He has kids. Yeah. And uh, he's a shepherd for forty years out in the desert. Um, not wanting to ever go back. Why? Because people would kill him if he went back, because he knows the tension with Thutmosis III. So one of the interesting things, Tyler, is when you're looking at which dynasty would Moses fit into, you have to look which emperor, which or not emperor, which pharaoh ruled for a long, long period of time. Is there is there an emperor who ruled for a 40-year period of time? Because Moses is gone for 40 years until he's told he should go back. Well, yeah. Why? Because the ones seeking his life have all died. That's what the Lord tells Moses in Exodus, right? Mm-hmm, right. Exodus, I, I want to read that, actually. Exodus 4.19, the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So that means for a 40-year period of time about, there's this pharaoh who wants to kill him, but then he dies. So there's only two pharaohs um, uh, who had that long of a reign, and it's actually Thutmose III and Ramses II. And so Thutmosis III, it fits all the criteria. He starts reigning right when his when his dad dies, but when he's a little kid. But that's when Hatshepsut was was reigning, and so that's not a real yeah, reign. Yeah. But then uh, she dies in eighteen in in fourteen eighty three. And what's interesting about it is Egyptologists are still trying to figure out. Did she die of natural causes or was she murdered? Because there's not a lot said about it, and all of a sudden she's dead, and she really wasn't that old. Uh, <laughs> so they, this could have been yeah. like a, we're killing you. And that would have been about three years after Moses took off that she died or or was murdered. But then Thutmose mm, yeah. III takes over 
1483, and he rules until 1450. Okay, okay. so there's a 33-year time period, but Moses thread, th- fled three years before that, so it's actually about a 36-year time period, right? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. And then after Thutmosis III dies, his son takes over the throne, and his son is Amenhotep II. And this is who we think was Pharaoh during the Exodus. Yeah, because he fits the dating right. He comes right after uh, when it's expected that Moses would have returned. So, I mean. Yep. And he, he's not, you know, he's not wanting to kill Moses. That was his dad. He could care less. That was, you know, ages ago to this guy. Um, when you study about who Amenhotep II was, he was like a really studly guy, real athletic. There's like reliefs of him, like um, on his chariot, going full speed, shooting arrows into little targets. Like, he was supposed to be this really great athletic warrior guy. He was really um, uh, kind of a tyrant uh, to other nations and and how he viewed them as lesser. Um, And he fits fits the depiction of the pharaoh of the Exodus who was hard-hearted and not wanting to let the Israelites go. Right, mm, who yeah. thought he had the power and he was in charge, and that this these people were weak, and he was going to subsue them, you know, for the forever. Um, so Amenhotep II actually he fits the the list of who would have been Pharaoh at the time of the Exodus. So yeah, so it all lines great. up. This 18th dynasty of Egypt it lines up with what the Bible says about Moses. It lines up with the time period he would have been gone until he could go back because all the people seeking his life would have been killed, right? It, it makes a ton, a ton of sense. And then something that's really interesting <clears throat> is that when Moses goes back, Exodus 11.3 talks about how um, the people in the court, the servants and, and the, the, the royals, right, of, yeah, of right. Pharaoh, they remembered Moses and they held him in high esteem. Well, of course they remember him, right? I mean, he's, he was, he was Hatshepsut's adopted son, um, which would make him actually Amenhotep II's uh, step uncle. Yeah, is what Moses right. would be in relation to, to this guy, right? People would have remembered Moses, though, from growing up there. He lived there 40 years. He went through all the school that they went through. He would have had connections. And that's exactly what we see. That, that's why he has, um, he has the ability to talk to Pharaoh. Like, yeah. do you think that anybody could stroll in and say, hey, I want to talk to the Pharaoh? Like, that doesn't even no, make he sense. Had to, he had to have some sort of merit with them, like, like something, <clears throat> some, some sort kind of, of connection. Like, Connection to where they're like, look, you you can come before the throne because they, they don't just let anyone go in there. No. Yeah, they would kill them. Yep. So yeah, and and especially some like would they let one of the 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 Hebrew slaves approach? Oh, no. Like it doesn't even. And the make thing sense. is, he is Hebrew. That's the crazy thing. And yep. then you got to think too, if he had been away for as long as he had, he probably didn't look like he belonged in Pharaoh's court anymore. At that sure, point. he's probably so he's dressing like, differently and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's there's probably some of that going on. But people did. It says. Yeah. They knew who he was. They oh, held of course, him in of high course. esteem, um, because he grew up there. Yeah, and, right. And he had clout, and, and maybe some of them. I mean, and again, this is all speculative, right? But maybe right. some of the people in the court wanted him to be the pharaoh. Yeah, I mean, you don't maybe know they that, didn't want Thutmosis the third, and they didn't want Amenhotep the second. I mean, you never know, right? I mean, I mean, clearly, <clears throat> Pharaoh from the Exodus is described. He he's a very stern pharaoh like mm-hmm. he doesn't seem like he's a happy little ruler. You know no. what I mean? Like 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 clearly. 
uh, clearly he had some issues. And so, yeah, that's I don't think it's too far fetched to think that there could have been some people who did not want him on the throne. But either way. Uh, it's still, uh, like we said, it's still speculation, but it's still, it's really cool to think about just like the possibilities and to where yeah, it, what the, this the biblical data and then the historical data and the archaeological data from Egypt, this me- meshes together well. There aren't problems with it. No. Um, yeah. Another thing I think is really interesting is so Amenhotep II, um, being the the Pharaoh of the Exodus, one thing that's really interesting about him is that he didn't he didn't live in Thebes. Thebes was the city that most all of the pharaohs of the 18th dynasty lived in, right? That's where their city was. That's where their capital was, was in Thebes. But Amenhotep II, he moved instead and and lived in Memphis, not where Elvis is, not where Graceland is, right? (laughs) Memphis, Egypt, okay, the the first, the original Memphis. The United States. (laughs) Not the barbecue capital, yeah. Memphis, (laughs) Egypt. Okay, so why does that matter? Well, Memphis is actually way closer to where all the Israelites were in the land of Goshen, Hmm. which would give Moses the ability to have more access to him because he's closer to where he's at with all the Israelites in Goshen. So again, just a little tiny detail, but it makes sense. It matches up. And so there's so much. So how does this tie in, right? This is supposed to be about archaeology. And I know we've done just a lot of storytelling. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But. Go look up how much archaeology there is for the 18th dynasty of Egypt. We oh, have these yeah. people's mummies. King Tut, right? Tutankhamun, he's in the 18th dynasty of of Egypt. He's he's a yeah, later was, king. The, the Egyptians, they just, we were talking about this earlier. We, we They just preserved everything. Like they, they did. Had and this, especially so this dynasty, in. this dynasty, yeah. when you think like classical, typical Egyptians, that this is who you think of. The mummification stuff, the, the building of the Sphinx, right? The the building of temples, yeah. the building of cities. I mean, Hatshepsut built this whole, like, it's like a propaganda um, temple, Depicting her doing these things. No, it's it's right. Yeah, it's crazy. And so this all uh, the archaeology is there's just copious amounts of it, and the biblical narrative fits into it. One thing that's really interesting too, Tyler, is that Hatshepsut she she set up you know statues of herself and and um, um, relief work of herself, right, and carvings and and the the hieroglyphics and all of that of of who she was. And um, after she was either killed or died, right, um, there was this huge, you can go today and see in Egypt, there was all this defacement of her image that happened. They were trying to scrape her off yeah. the walls and, and remove her. And they actually, there's places we know where they removed her name and replaced it with either her her dead husband, Thutmosis II, mm. or her dad's name. They gave them credit for the stuff she did, not what she did. Um, but they couldn't erase enough of it because that's that's why we know so much about yeah, her, Yeah, yeah, right? there's just so much. But the question was, is, yeah. why why were they defacing what she did? Right, And there's yeah. really, there's two opinions on this. One is that Thutmosis III, who was her stepson, who she sent away, and then she took over, mm. that he was really bitter. And when he came back and she died or was killed, he said... I, I don't want her memory around. And they started, you know, um, erasing defacing her, yeah. defacing all of her s- statues and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's one opinion. And that that very well could be. But there's there's another opinion that, <clears throat> and there's some evidence that it, it didn't actually happen during Thutmose III's reign, that it actually happened later. Um, and so some people hypothesize, now again, hypothesize, yeah. that... 
maybe the Egyptians started defacing Hatshepsut's stuff in response to the plagues of Egypt from her son Moses. Who she brought, who out, she of brought out of the Nile. And if she would have just let that kid die, it wouldn't have happened. And yeah. that it's a response to the army drowning. And it's a response to the plagues and the, the destruction that he brought upon them. And the loss of all their slaves. Yeah, like, so they were trying to remove yeah. her memory because they were so upset at what she did by preserving this Hebrew boy. Is that, yeah. again, I mean, it makes it, some heck, sense. Honestly, heck, it could be both. Like, like you think both. about yeah, it, sure. like, it could have defaced when he overthrew, and then all of a sudden... Later well, on, people are like... And people would have defaced more, right? Yeah. Because he wasn't overthrown during Thutmosis III. He was, oh, the plagues happened during Amenhotep II. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, yeah, so it could have been in response to that happening. Yeah, um, so it's just, it is, it is interesting. So uh, all that to say, go, go Google search Hapsetshet. You will see statues of her. You will see relief for her. I mean, it's all over the place. There's so much evidence for her. Go check out Thutmosis the. F- the first. Go check out Aminhotep the second. Like we have all this stuff of them. We have their mummies, right? Yeah. We have their tombs. We have we have it. Um, go look into this stuff. See, I mean, if this is the dynasty that Moses uh, lived amongst, you can go look at their temples. And you, I mean, we you literally can go to Egypt today, and you can go in these temples and say Moses walked these halls when he was getting educated. That's so crazy. If, if, yeah. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal, the evidence that we have. And this makes sense. Again, number one, the dating of the Bible points this is the time. And then the stories mesh together. They make sense of each other. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a proponent that, yeah, 1446 Exodus is rock solid. There's so much evidence for it. There's not oh, yeah. very much against it at all. Um, and uh, the, the 18th dynasty of Egypt, man, it, it is an interesting story to tell. This is what's crazy. You can go and you can see the mummy of Hatshepsut, right? You can go see the mummy of Amenhotep II. But these could be the to, people yeah. who talked with and knew Moses. That's just so crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it it is something. You so, can physically see the bodies mm-hmm. of people who potentially walked with and talked with Moses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, again, and when, who knows? Like, yeah, it just it is crazy. it is amazing. So go check out the 18th Dynasty of Egypt. We're gonna put a lot of links in the show notes for this because yeah. there's so much evidence, so much writings about all of the issues, and we're we're barely scratching the surface on this. But um, I think it's enough for for this oh. episode. It's oh, really yeah. fun stuff to talk and about. And you know what? This is something uh, that I I forgot to bring up earlier that I just thought about. You know how uh, like one of our last episodes we talked about when we started the archaeology series, we talked about how Netflix released like all the Indiana Jones movies. Oh yeah. Well, I just found out that uh, this week uh, Netflix actually just came out with all the mummy movies. Oh, really? I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they did. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's Isn't that really funny. funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know what? God is in control of the podcast and what choices, like, Netflix decides on what they're going to release. He's correlating <laughs> it all. That's funny. So, like, I mean, if you want, if you want, like, to put into perspective, uh, there you go. So, <laughs> yep, there it is. So. Um, yeah, this is fun stuff. I but really yeah, enjoy no, it's, it. It's and exciting. It, and if you want to, one of the things I was trying to do before the podcast is say, hat, 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 how do you say it again? Hap, 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 set. I forgot already. I got to look on this paper to read it again. It's so confusing. Hat, hat, shep, shep, soot. 
Hat Shep hat Soot. Shep Soot. Try saying that 15 times fast. Hat right, I mean, that's talking about a tongue, tongue twister. Moses, that's, <laughs> that's a little easier to say. Hat Sep Soot. Wow. Anyway, if you want to practice that, or you, I guess it could be even a, friend, uh, a game with friends around coffee, right? Who can say it the fastest? <laughs> Whoever messes up first buys the, buys the coffee. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, so. that's a fun game. <laughs> yep. Well, hey, we've got a couple more weeks left in our uh, biblical archaeology series here. So be looking out uh, for those coming up next week and the week after. Yes. But hey, thanks for being with us on Christ Culture and Coffee today. We love talking with you. We love interacting with you. Thank you so much to the people who've recently uh, sent in emails with coffee tips, but also just with questions about the Bible, with questions about things we talk about. Yeah, right. Um, with just encouraging notes. I got I got this email from a guy, and he was just encouraging us. Man, it was so cool, the podcast on Sodom and Gomorrah. I really liked that. So we just thank you guys for that. It's encouraging to us to know that that you're listening and that this is, um, this is a benefit to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's what we were talking about. Uh, uh, and we say this every episode is that our goal is to equip Christians to be able to be uh, to, to be able to defend their faith and to be confident in their faith. Mm-hmm. And so, just keeping that in mind, we want to be useful for you guys with the topics we discuss on here. And hopefully, uh, this encourages you. I, I know that it certainly encouraged me. Uh, I learned a lot from Robbie today as we've been discussing this. Uh, it's really fascinating to just uh, see how world history ties in with Scripture because. Mm-hmm. Old, the Old Testament scripture, that is world history. Yep. And if it, and if it doesn't, like, it, it, it needs to because if the Bible's not true on these dates, right? If the yeah. Bible's not true in, in history, if this is just and, mythology, what are we believing in? Yeah. And, you know, actually, that brings up a good point because uh, just real briefly, uh, I wanted to just mention I uh, this week at uh, GC where I go to school right now, uh, they had uh, Josh McDowell come in and speak, which that was super cool. But real briefly, a quote uh, that he said during his speech, he said uh, – he said, when I was early on in age and coming on to Christianity, trying to find out more about Jesus, because I, he's like, he said, I kept telling people um, who Jesus is and what Christianity is, is about. But he's like, but I got frustrated because I didn't have people telling me why should I believe this. He's like, I, and he's like, I wanted reasons. And so that, hearing him say that made me think like, wow, like that's, that's so true. Like, I, I wonder how many people out there like want to just learn more. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Um, an area that they struggle in is evidence-wise, well, but there is evidence. There's so much evidence, yeah. and that's what we, we want to have, a reasonable faith, right? It's right. not a wishful yeah. thinking faith. It's a well-reasoned, based on good evidence, uh, that points to reality, because we, we don't create our own reality, we acknowledge reality. Yeah, right. We seek it out, we see what's really out there, and Christianity, time and time again, proves itself to be accurate to history, it mm-hmm. proves itself to be uh, true to the state of human beings, to the human heart, I mean, on and on, there's so much that we have, especially when it comes to the resurrection. It proves the evidence for the resurrection is just so overwhelming. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement. We need reasons for what we believe. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thank you again for joining us in this podcast. Uh, please go ahead and um, send us some more coffee tips. Follow us on Instagram uh, and tell your friends about the podcast. And uh, um, maybe we can reach more people and uh, help encourage others to be confident in their faith and to just have a better understanding of how the Bible lines up with history. Mm-hmm. And we 
hope that this has been encouraging to you. And uh, just also want to thank Robbie for uh, the wisdom that he shared on this podcast. It's been great. Oh, yeah, uh, it's fun. I got yeah. like, it's so funny with, th- with this subject. Yeah. I studied this in school and I, you know, I, I'd remembered about it. But man, for some reason this week, I just got hit like three times with different stuff I saw online. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I found this this cl- class to listen to. So, man, I've just been like hours like digesting this stuff because I, I just find it fascinating. Yeah. I always want to be learning more about what God's done in history. And it is uh, it's awesome. Well, so it's it's fun for me to do. Yeah, this. and I mean, and Egyptian history alone is just so fascinating. And then let alone to tie that in with Exodus and like biblical mm-hmm. history with Egyptian history and archaeology. It's yeah. it's fun. It's it really, really is. So, well, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee, and we will see you guys next week. Yep. All right. See ya. You have been listening to Christ Culture and Coffee, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at dscchurch.com.